Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast called... Shit, what is it called? Seriously? I married someone. Is it you? I married a history teacher. That's right. Don't you? I feel like you tried to play that off, but I feel like for a second there you didn't realize what I was asking you. You know me so well. Yeah. You, it was spaced out. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Spaced out in the first two seconds of talking on the podcast. Yeah. That's impressive even for me. Ugh, it's going to be a long app. This might, yeah. be, this might be the closest thing to a solo pod we have. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't know where to go but up from here. So mm-hmm. it might be the best step ever. Sure. That's a great way of yeah. looking at it. You know, that was your bottom. <laughs> you hit rock bottom. <laughs> I hit it. And now you're ready for improvement. Yeah, I am. I am indeed. Good, good, good. We're coming at you today from a brand new studio. It is in Southwest Washington, D.C. Brand new. Super, super lovely. Yes. I think we're going to get the best sound quality from this because this room is so sort of insulated. The humming of that wine fridge might come say, across, though. I was just about to say that. Thanks a lot, Patrick. <laughs> putting a wine fridge in your house. Yeah, it's super inconvenient to us. Lisa and I are setting up an Airbnb this week, so we are playing playing house in someone else's house. Yeah, we're really good at that. Yeah. We feel right at home. It's kind of our jam. Yeah. We feel quite comfortable. It took us about two hours to be like, yeah, we basically live here. Yeah, I live this here now. our house. <laughs> I'm already stealing beers from Patrick's fridge. Uh, this is the uh, people. It's your telling, second one. Well, no, I, I brought a couple beers. Oh, you did? Oh, that's yeah. Nice. But then, like, I saw that Patrick had better beers, so I started drinking. He always yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. Now, this is the Oscar Blues 1050 Imperial Stout. Delicious. Very heavy, but it's still got a decent sweetness in the finish, so I like it. Well, thank you for your review of that. Well, everyone always tells me if I mention a beer or like wine or whatever, they I have several people be like, "I'm interested in what you're drinking, so tell me." Oh, okay. So I'm I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm just giving them, giving into the feedback of, of mm. the people, of the listeners. I'm giving the people what they want. All right. Well, I'm drinking some DC tap water. Mm-hmm. Like tastes, a friggin' nerd. Tastes a little metallic-y. Yeah. I mean, it tastes smooth, yeah. though. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Do you want to rinse your mouth out yeah. and then give it another taste just to clear your palate? Yeah, give me some of that stout. Okay, here's a little stout. <laughs> clear your palate. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, well, Lise. That's me. Let's do this. Let's do this. I am wrapped with attention. Yeah, shit. We got to get going before you just snooze. <laughs> Bonk out. Just, just get out of here. <laughs> Lisa, I'm going to tell you a story. All right? I'm not going to tell you the, the, the name of this person or what we're talking about tonight. I'm just going to start off by telling you a story. I like story time with Steve. Yeah, story time with Steve. This is originally how we really planned this podcast, too. A lot more story-centered. We did. Yeah, I don't know what happened. It just gets too interesting to talk about other things. You can't always tell a story. Yeah, I guess that's true. Sometimes you just gotta talk. Let's do story time. Okay. Alright, so there's a young boy, and he was born in Belgium. Brussels, actually. Again, shout out to our buddy Tim. Tim gets two shout outs in a row. Uh, for being the most Belgian person I know. He's definitely the most Belgian person. He's the only Belgian person yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, and so this fellow, okay, he's born in Brussels, Belgium, in 1514. Okay? Hmm. Key here, Lisa, what extremely important event is occurring in Europe in the 1500s? Okay. It's either the Dark Ages or the Plague 
or, uh, mm, no, mm. Lisa, these are both impressively incorrect. <laughs> First of all, Lisa, I need you to stop thinking every time frame is the plague. It's the plague. <laughs> it was like 1300. Okay, and we Which almost was, never that's when the okay, talk about. I'll commit that one. Never talk about the plague. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do like a plague episode well, just to get it out yeah, of your system. Yeah, it's obviously a sign that I want to be learning yeah. about it. Okay, all right. It's also the opposite of the Dark Ages. Oh, okay. So it's the Renaissance. It is the Renaissance. That was the word I was looking yes, for. Yes, that was going to be yes, my other or, yes. and then I, I blanked. I was going to say the French Revolution, and I was like, mm. 200 years too early. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I actually remember that was 1700s. So, yeah, it was a Renaissance. It's a Renaissance. Yes. Yeah, the opposite. So the Renaissance is going on. So this is a Renaissance-born Belgian fella. But probably had, like, his great-grandparents probably dabbled in the plague, right? Or, like, great-great-grandparents? Well, you know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Great-great, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. There'd be a lot of greats because people didn't live that long back then. Yeah. Like, 17 yeah. greats, and then he's in the plague. <laughs> should we start then? Just to get more backstory on him? <laughs> no, no. I think we're good. Damn it. I think we're All right. Good. Fine. <laughs> Talk about the Renaissance. So, it is in the Renaissance. Okay. Yeah. Hey. If he was born in Brussels, Belgium, do you know what ethnicity he was? There's two major ethnicities in, in Belgium. Ethnicities. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, like, isn't there... Starts with an F. Oh, yeah. Um, fucking, fucking... No, 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 no. I know. I know, I know what this is. I know it. It's a... Uh, Okay, well, that's just the how sound F makes, okay? Flemish. Oh, Flemish, 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 Flemish. Right, damn it. Right, right, right. So he's Flemish, okay, which means that he basically speaks Dutch, like a Dutch Belgian. It's basically. like a, it's a different kind of Dutch. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They were a Germanic people. The Dutch were Germanic people. They, mm. they stem from the Germans, okay? Mm. Um, do you know what the other ethnicity is? And, and I had to look it up because I was like, why do you only hear about Flemish people? Right. But there's another one. I had to look it up, and it's the goofiest sounding word. Would I have heard it before? No, I doubt it. Okay, then I'm not even going to take a guess. It is Walloon, and it is French Belgians. Hmm. So I asked Tim, going back to Tim, the Mm -hmm. only Belgian guy I know, Mm -hmm. why do we hear so much about Flemish artists and famous Flemish people, but we don't ever (laughs) hear about Walloons? Mm Mm-hmm. And he like he was kind of helpful. He was just like, well, first of all, there's way more Flemish people. It's like a 60-40 split. That's not that much more. Eh, you hear a lot of the Jews, and we're like, we got nothing on. Yeah, you're like point one percent of the world. <laughs> no. Yeah, you're lucky to know me, really. Yeah, but to be true, we also have more Jews in America. I think there's more Jews in America than any other country in the world, including Israel. Yeah, but I think we're still only at like two or four percent. Yeah, that's true. So again, you're very lucky to know me. Yeah, that is true. Hey, Lisa, for several reasons. There it is. Several reasons. There it is. You know? Thanks for reeling that one in. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Anyway, yeah, so Walloons. Okay, oh, the other big reason that Tim told me is that all of the really big, well-known cities, Mm -hmm. they're all Flemish cities where, like, the Walloons sort of live, like, and, like, they're all, like, suburban dwellers is kind of how I think it. Oh, that's boring. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. All right, let's get back to the story. Okay. okay. Is so, he a Walloon or a Flem? He's a Flem. Okay. At <laughs> least he got it. All right, cool. I shouldn't have been giving That was like genuine laughter, too. I don't know what that says about me. Okay. All right. So, born 1514. He's Flemish. 
And at a young age, he apparently was doing really creepy things like going into the forests and finding animals and killing them and dissecting them. Okay. So, but he's, he's not killing yeah, them for pleasure. Just, just, just go with the story. Just hear me out. Okay. So no. Okay. Oh, so story so time means like, Lisa can't no, ask questions. Kind of. That's what it's supposed to be. Shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is going to be tough. So he, he goes and he gets his animals and he like cuts them up and pulls them apart and he's all creepy about it. Right. So then he gets older. He's going to go off to a little town called <laughs> Paris. Where he's going to study for school. Okay? Now, back in the day, still, even though this is the Renaissance, not everything from the Dark Ages has changed yet. Okay? So, they still had this really gross practice of hanging criminals in public spaces and leaving them there. Mm. And when this fellow was 22 years old, he went down to the gallows. It's called the gallows. It's not what they called them in France, of course. But he would go down to the gallows. And he would take this corpse. They don't call any of the things you're saying right now. They spoke in French. Touché, my lady. <laughs> that is what they would call that. Yeah. Touché, mon soir. No, wrong gender. Wrong gender. What are you? Yeah. Um, femme? Uh, well, that means woman. So, okay. yeah, I am. Touché, femme. <laughs> okay, let's go with that. I guess. <laughs> so. But Madame would be the. The gender Madame, that's an easy one. Yeah. Come on, Steve. Mm-hmm. Steve. <laughs> so he would go and he found this rotting corpse and he went after what was not very fresh. He grabbed the lower legs <laughs> and he pulled and he pulled until he took a corpse shit. turned, ripped him from the noose, and carried him back to his basement. And all night he cut up this body and he put the parts in boiling water and dissolved and boiled all the flesh and meat off the bones. And like for the next couple of years, he's, this dude's going to do all sorts of weird, creepy crap like that to acquire human corpses. Grave digging, right? stealing bones from, uh, you know, what are those things called under old cities? You can go see Crips? Crips, yeah. Weird, creepy-ass shit like that. What do you think about this guy, Lisa? That's the end of the story. Tell me your opinion on this guy. That's the end of the story? Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing I didn't interrupt too many times. Um, well, I mean, I think that you want me to think that he's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Was it that obvious, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm going to have to... Maybe I'm going to ruin it, but I'm assuming he was actually probably a pretty notable scientist. Yeah. You, you know, you're too damn smart, Lisa. <laughs> I mean, it's not that. Damn it. Piece together. You love scientists and history and, you know, this is how you had to learn things back then. Yes. Okay. Great point. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. The guy's name is really, his name is Sorry, Andres. Yeah. But it was Vesalius. a great story. Yes. Andreas oh, thank you. Vesalius. Thank yeah. you. No, to be fair, that is his Latin name. He obviously had a uh, Belgian name. It was something like Andre uh, von Weissel, which actually means weasel in English. <laughs> but he, like, owned it. He put weasels on his family crest. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, um, yeah, so all the scientists back in the day, they would Latinize their name. So what we call him, he's remembered throughout history as Vesalius. That's cool. It's the weasels. Um, and we pretty much owe this guy all we know about modern anatomy. 
Um, if you've ever been to the doctor because you like broke a bone, sprained a muscle, something like that, you have this creepy weirdo well, to think. Don't you sprain ligaments? Yes. Sorry. What did I say? Wait. Muscle? Yeah. Tear a muscle? Pull a muscle? Pull a muscle. Let's go can you pull. tear a muscle? I mean, I'm sure you can, I guess. Yeah, I'm sure you can. Ugh. That's how weightlifting works. You have lots of little tiny little tears in your arms, and then they heal up thicker yeah. than when they... Yeah, but that's not like a tear. Yeah. Right. Tell you what else is torn. These biceps. Just torn up. Sorry. Uh, let's <laughs> not engaging on. in that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so here's the deal. Um, this kid, uh, he came from a, uh, a family of, 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 of physicians. Mm. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense that he would go around grabbing little animals and tearing them up yeah. um, to inspect them. I also read mixed stories on that. And I can't even really confirm that. That might have been something that was like ad every serial time. killer manifesto. Yeah, yeah. Just because you were like tearing apart bodies for scientific research doesn't mean you were just nabbing up little animals and cutting them up. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, the story I told you was definitely true. That is how he first ascertained his first body is uh, stole a criminal's body, and he cut it up by himself, examined all these bones and stuff like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. That part of it was definitely true. Um, but let's talk more about science before, okay. anatomy before Vesalius. Okay? okay? So, like many things before the Renaissance, okay, science back then, there was basically one Roman or Greek philosopher that all we all took, in, and I say we, but I'm really referring to Europe, right? All of Europe was like, well, this dude said this 1,000 years ago, or this guy said this 1,400 years ago, so it is fact. Mm. That's how things work, and that's why they call it the Dark Ages, right? Because no one ever did anything or discovered anything. It was all just more of the same crap. Farm, church, die, farm, church, die, for basically 1,500 years in Europe. Woof. Woof. Yeah. No pun intended? Were there dogs on the farm? We're going to talk about dogs a little bit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's a, that works. Um, but basically, there's this guy named Ga- Galen. Yeah. Right? And he was the, what we used to consider in Europe, the father of anatomy. During the Dark Ages, we used to think. Yes. He was a Roman dude, right? Yeah. And he actually did cut up monkeys and dogs mm-hmm. um, for, for dissection. And what he did is he really kind of screwed up because he just said monkeys and dogs are similar to humans, so this is true in humans. Okay? Yeah. Now, to be fair, monkeys and dogs both do have the closest thing to human DNA that exists, which is pretty impressive. I didn't know that was applicable to dogs, too. Yeah, we actually have really close DNA to dogs. Hmm. Well, I always say you do remind me. If you were to be an animal, you'd be a dog. I'm very dog-like in behavior, yes. Mm-hmm. And, well, and cat-like. Well, I mean, I'm definitely more of a dog, though. No, but you sleep like a cat. Yeah, that's true. I can wake up just like that and then fall back asleep immediately. Yeah, you just kind of, like, yeah, get this little cat sense. Yeah. And then, yeah, but uh, your personality is definitely dog-like. Uh-huh. Unless it was, like, a friendly cat. Sure. Sure. Let's move on, maybe. You sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so for like 1,400 years, everybody took uh, what this Galen dude said as fact of science. Uh-huh. Which right? was all based on dogs and monkeys. Yes, and other like animals too, but those were the two main ones. Yeah. Okay. Now, the other problem that was going on mm-hmm. 
is that dissections were public during the Dark Ages, mm-hmm. okay? However, there was like, it was super limited of who could get a body. So Roman Empire couldn't dissect the body, hence why Galen was using monkeys, okay? Things changed slightly, and then like the rules changed where like they would give you executed prisoners' bodies. So you commit murder, you get caught, you get hanged, you can take that body for science, and you can dissect it. The problem was in these dissections, when they were using them as like, you know, for teaching purposes, mm-hmm. there'd be three groups of people involved. One of them were the students observing. Mm-hmm. One of them is something called a barber surgeon that we're going to come back to, so put a pin in that. Okay? And another thing was just the professor. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is the students and the professor, they'd sit there with these textbooks that were based off of Galen. Okay? And they would read and read and read, and then the, you know, the barber surgeon would cut off the arm and be like, yeah, here's the arm. And then Galen would be like, he would read from Galen and be like, you know, there's two bones in the arm. And then they take the notes and blah, blah, blah. And then barber surgeon would throw the arm away and then move on. Right. Do you see here what the problem with this is? I mean, not really. I mean, are they doing something weird with the arm? (laughs) No, it's, it's very inactive, right? Like you remember human biology class? Did you just sit there and watch your teacher dissect frogs? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. You so dissected the frog. You dissected the owl pellet. Yeah. Okay. I understand. So people, sorry. Okay. I get what you're getting at now. Um, they are not, they're not cutting off arms themselves. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And taking them apart. All right. Let's go back for a second because this is too interesting to pass up. Mm-hmm. Did you say, did you hear how I was calling him a barber surgeon? Uh, yeah. That's like literally from being a Barber, like a barber shop person. Have you ever heard this before about midi- like medieval barbers? Well, now I'm going to the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. The Demon Barber of Fleet Street. I knew you were going to sing that. That <laughs> was what my intended result was. Um, yeah, no connection though to that, right? I, to be honest with you, I don't even know because I've never actually seen Sweetie Todd. I have no idea what that's about. You've never seen that? You sing that to me like once a week. That's because we live in Baltimore where there's all these streets called Fleet Street. Yeah, it's true. I sing that to myself every time I walk down. Right, still. Like we live two blocks away (laughs) from Fleet Street. It's every time. (laughs) It really is. I always wonder like, I wonder when I'm going to stop doing this. It's been like two years It's been two full years of me (laughs) singing Fleet Street every time. Life is funny. Yeah. Um, Okay, sorry. So uh, the, the, the... let me just talk about it. It has nothing to do with Sweeney Todd, but like barbers of old are the funniest things in the world. It's mm. unbelievable. Okay? Yeah. So regular he, barbers. Yes, but their origins are hysterical. Okay. okay? So back in the day, yeah. we were all about in Europe like stuff like bloodletting, you know, when you would have get yeah. sick, so we put leeches on you and yeah. stuff like that. And like yeah. people would chop up your hand if your hand got jammed or something like that. It was all very bloody medicine. Yeah. Right. And then physicians in Europe got to this point where anything that you were doing that was like that, it was it was frowned upon. Despite the fact that you're the freaking doctor, if you're doing any surgeries or bloodletting, you believed in it and believed it was helpful, but you were above actually doing it. So who started taking over doing it was friggin' barbers. And they're the literally they logic they think is they that it went to barbers is because well, they use scissors and razors. Exactly. Yeah. Because they use scissors and razors on hair, they can use it on your body. Yeah. Well, 
is... How bizarre is that? Well, technically your hair is your body. Yeah. Well, is well, it? No. It's almost like a byproduct of your body. out of your body. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. Now, I will say, everyone listening, if you've never seen it, there's a really funny Steve Martin Saturday Night Live skit from back in the day called... I forget his name, but it's called Something Medieval Barber. And he kind of made this whole thing pretty famous because I, I still, even though it's like, you know, 30 years old or whatever, would still use it to teach high school kids and would still get some good giggles out of it. I honestly cannot believe there isn't a more popular comedian that that just plays with history. There's so much material there. There's a couple of them. Okay. There's one guy, I can't remember his name, but he's he almost... He's like this really flamboyant English dude who almost exclusively does history jokes. Um, Not to mention that the, um, what do they call the Holy Grail people? Monty Python guys. Mm-hmm. They do a lot with history too. Mm-hmm. Okay. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> also a famous skit I used to teach with. But anyhow, one last thing about the barbers before we move on. Okay. You know a barber pole? Just like the turning, yep. twisting, red and blue yep. stripe? Mm-hmm. So the origins of that go back to all the bloody stuff they would be doing in their barber shops. No. Yeah, the red streak. No. Symbolizes blood. No. And the white symbolizes the bandages they would put around the blood, and then obviously, you know, they'd get all bloody. So it was a bloody bandage, is what a barber pole is. And back in the day, all these different shops and stores or whatever, it didn't say barbershop in letters because most people were illiterate. So they all had these little symbols. So if you were like a lawyer, you would have like the scales of justice and it wouldn't say lawyer, right? The barbershop, for whatever reason, it just stuck through all these years and it goes back to bloodletting and shit like that at the barber. That's just a huge disappointment. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting and I'm... I guess I'm glad I know that, but that is nasty. Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? Yeah, it's weird. It's totally, it's totally bizarre. And by the way, if you're sitting there thinking about, wait a minute, Steve, barbers have a blue, red, and white stripe. Yeah, the blue that. stripe. It's for the blue blood cells. No, it only. <laughs> well, it only exists in the United States of America. We added that. People think that the Americans added it just as a show of patriotism. But if you're in Europe, it's still just red and white. America is the only one that has a red, white, and blue barbershop pole. That would suggest it would be patriotic. It sounds super American, you know? Oh, you mean the whole thing was patriotic. But but we might have no, added no, it. No, 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 no. I'm just saying barbers in America added it to be patriotic. Yes. Sorry, I misunderstood what you're saying. Or Yeah. Okay, got it. So it's patriotic. And because they didn't know what it really was. Maybe. Or maybe they're just I mean, like, how many? <laughs> ooh, we should do like a cool poll. That would be fun if what? we ever did like an interactive pod where we walked around to barbershops, interviewed them, and asked them if they knew what the what the, the thing outside their Shit, shop meant. We should do it. I guess we could try. Why not? I love my barbershop. My barbershop in Baltimore, they give you free natty bows while you're waiting for a haircut. Yeah. I remember when you came back from that place for the first time, you were like... You were like a puppy. Yeah. So excited. Dude, I was like, how Baltimore is this shit? You're <laughs> sitting was, in the waiting room to give you an Addie bow. No, it is pretty sweet. That can't even be legal. <laughs> yeah, probably. <not. laughs> um, all right. But let's, all right. Let's, so let's move moving on. on but that's, so that's quite the, the that's the, quite the tidbit right there. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's I don't a fun know. I don't, I don't think anyone knows that. Well, we'll find out. We'll find we out by the feedback we get. Yeah, we will. Phone in. Ass. Phone in if you knew it. <laughs> yeah, <right>. Um <laughs> 
Let's move on though. Okay, so here's the deal. When he realized, like Vesalius kind of was ahead of the curve and he kind of realized that there, this whole system was very flawed. Mm. And, and like, how do we know? Like no one's actually challenging this 1,400-year-old book, right? So like we should probably look in to see if this shit is real or not. Uh, so that's how he ended up dissecting bodies. And he ended up disproving over 200 like misteachings of Galen very, very easily because of how simple these things were, were like how obvious it was once you start cutting open into a body. Okay, so I'm going to read some of the things that for 1,400 years were taught in Europe as being fact of the anatomy. 1,400 years. Yeah. So uh, a lot of them were just very basic things that you think are important until you realize the medical consequence of not understanding it. So one of them, for example, is that we always thought there were two bones in the lower jaw. You know how many bones are in the lower jaw? You can feel it in your own mouth for God's sakes. Uh, well, there's the bottom jaw and the top Yeah, so jaw. the lower jaw is one bone. You can feel it. Touch your face. I am touching my face. Right? That's all people had to do. Oh, I keep forgetting there's listeners. Yeah. Like, why, why are you telling me I'm doing it? <laughs> you can see me touching my face. All right, so other things like the breastplate, for example, um, has three sections. Galen said it had seven. Um, that one you can't feel. The next one you definitely can't feel. It was taught for a very long time that the heart has two chambers. Do you know how many chambers the heart has? Four. Four chambers. Very good. All right. Um, Galen also taught that the human body contains several parts that did not exist. So, for example, monkeys have this weird cluster of, like, blood and, and veins in their neck. Forget the name for it. There's some Latin phrase for it. And for 1,400 years, we thought it was a part of the human body. It doesn't exist in humans. But since Galen was only dissecting animals, no one knew. So he ripped open the human body and he's like, where the hell is the cluster of blood cells and, and veins and shit? Um, most famously, and the worst of all, just because of the, the health consequences of, of this belief system, is that Galen thought that the source of blood, that blood and veins came from the liver. And that the heart was only there to sort of help the blood stay warm and heat the body. Jeez. So if you're thinking about this from a medical perspective, that's a pretty terrible, yeah. terrible belief. Yes. It's like you're going to pay very little attention to the heart when someone's sick because they're just thinking, oh, you're a little body heater. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's all cute. Yeah. Yeah. Not... Not helpful. Well, mm -hmm. That's a big. That's a big one. Yes, it is. Now, to be totally fair, mm -hmm. um, Vesalius actually, and this is very humble of him, right? He didn't think he could understand enough about the the vascular system. Um, or is it the cardiological system, or is it both? The heart and veins. Yeah, we're, this isn't a doctor podcast. So no. I don't okay. Know. So he 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 kind of recognized that he didn't understand enough about the whole situation. Mm -hmm. That he didn't even offer his own thing. So a lot of what we know about the heart and pumping blood is come from an Englishman named William Harvey, actually, like 150 years after Vesalius, mm -hmm. just to be totally clear. Mm -hmm. um, Lisa, the last thing that I want to talk about before we move, before we end this, and this will be a pretty short one tonight, um, 
Vesalius wrote his findings that were mostly focusing on like muscles and skeletal and stuff like that um, into a book called De Humani Corpus Fabrica Libri Seplum, which people nowadays just simply call Fabrica. Mm-hmm. Basically means like fabric of the human body. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and Fabrica is a fascinating book that I would argue is the quintessential Renaissance work because the Renaissance was all about a rebirth in arts and science mostly. And this book is like a textbook in the content, but it was illustrated by Renaissance artists. So what they did is they would just like show a skeleton like prancing through an Italian valley or like you know, a guy standing and sitting very naturally, but it's like he has no skin because he's displaying the muscular build of a human body. So it's like one of these human anatomy books that you see now, except it was done in like Renaissance art. Yeah, that's cool. It is really cool. You should, you should really just, if you're by your computer or whatever, and you're at, or a stoplight because you're listening in your car, just take out your phone or your computer and Google Fabrica Vesalius and then go to images and you'll see all of these things. It almost looks like they're like Halloween. It's like Halloween art or something. Mm. But it was actually taken from like a really accurate textbook essentially. I love that about those times. I mean, again, when I say those times, obviously my timeline is loose and inaccurate when it comes to your art. But um, – there was just so much attention to to the arts. I mean, it's like it, every like the detail in like and you know all the old buildings here too. I mean, like the, the time they took to like just create beauty in the smallest details is really cool. Yeah, just like our yeah. podcast, slow and take our time to create beauty. <laughs> True works of art. No, but it, like in all seriousness, I mean, I, I think we do a lot of separation of arts and sciences. Mm -hmm. But the Renaissance was kind of awesome because it was such a blend of the two. And it was like really beautiful and had really beautiful results, you know? Absolutely. I'll even use the Twitter that I still break out every now and then to, to include a picture from Fabrica. I'll pick my favorite one. There's one that's like almost grotesque, but also really cool where it's like, just just like a, a super realistic, man with no skin like slouching in a like a forest sort of setting wow. it's just it's really cool it is cool so check it out um i do want to end with a disclaimer lisa okay do not <laughs> dissect I, any human bodies no no, no oh yeah no. sure <laughs> yes thank you yes uh just because you're dissecting bodies does not mean you're going to become andre Andreas Vesalius. So well, also don't do it for other reasons. Yeah, it's illegal and weird. <laughs> uh, you can also now just go to school and do it like a normal human, which is nice. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It'll cost you a couple hundred grand. Yeah, because it's not against uh, religion and laws anymore if you're doing it with school. So it's good. You're good. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. Um, my, my disclaimer was actually a little more um, – I have a theory here. But, I mean a theory colloquially. It's not a real theory. But – I think this is one of those things, this is one of those guys who's very, very Western, right? I just can't imagine that the Chinese didn't have a decent understanding of anatomy or probably even like the Islamic world 
because they were just by the medieval times, like Europe was so far behind, mm-hmm. right? And like for example, Chinese invented acupuncture like twenty five hundred years ago, like so long ago. You know, that's like before the I know, Roman Empire, which implies a really. I know some people don't really buy into the whole acupuncture thing, but from what I've learned of it, it actually implies like a really, really in-depth understanding of like the systems of your body. Right. Yeah. And like even if you don't even buy into it, you can go in there and they can be Which like, is scientifically proven to work, Yeah, it's, I mean, the acupuncture is in, yeah. is, is, is in the West now. It's yeah, almost yeah. just as Western as it is Eastern at right, this point. Right. Like most modern hospitals have acupuncturists. They do. Um, and like they can just go in there and like you can talk to them for a second and they could – put pins certain places, they're going to tell you exactly what it's doing to your body. Yeah. Right? And that's going to – and you can feel it to a certain extent, right? Yeah. And they've been doing that for 2,500 years and there's no way that you can just do that without like a really intense understanding of anatomy. Totally. So I do think that this guy's important, Vesalius, and I think he's got an interesting story so we can talk about him. We should talk about him. But, I mean, there could be like Chinese folks listening to this and be like – we had a thousand good act, like yeah. an, anatomy, um, anatomy, doctors of anatomy uh, <laughs> before we had before you all had the salia. So, all right. Yeah, I'm sure you're right, but uh, we are Western and we are educated that way. Uh-huh. We Google in English. I mean, we have we have our limits. Yeah. Of knowledge, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. If I release this in time. Because we have one we haven't released yet. I don't know what order we're going to release them in. But Lisa, mm-hmm. who you got in the Super Bowl? Either Ooh. this is before or after the Super Bowl. We can either hear your guess or we can know whether you're right or wrong. Okay. And I'm just going to remind myself quickly of who's in it. Which the is Joe the Mon- Chiefs. The Joe Montana Bowl. The Chiefs and the 49ers. That is correct. And I'm going to go. I feel like the Chiefs are going to win. But... I also want the 49ers to win because I have more loved ones in San Francisco. That is fair. That's a good point. Mm. We do have fam in San Francisco and friends. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I actually grew up – you don't might not know about this. I was actually a big 49ers fan before I was a Redskins fan. What? It was short-lived and I was very young, but I was – Jerry Rice, that really famous 49ers receiver – Okay. He was like my first real hero that I ever had. <laughs> like he, like I, I did a second grade project where you're supposed to pick a human from out history to do a presentation on, mm-hmm. and you're supposed to dress up as that person. <laughs> so I dressed up at Jerry Rice and then stood up there and talked about my life as Jerry Rice. <laughs> um, you were so cute when you were in second grade. Yeah, I think it was third grade because I didn't start playing football until third grade. And I had all my Little League football stuff with me for my costume. Mm. So sorry, it was third grade. Well, do you think I was still cute in third grade? Well, you're still cute now, so. Oh, please stop. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so I, I was like a really big 49ers fan until I was like, no, I should just be loyal locally. Um, so a part of me in like my childhood wants to root for the 49ers. The 49ers already have a shitload of Super Bowls and the Chiefs don't have any. They might have one from like like the third Super Bowl ever or something like that. Sorry, I just keep thinking about you. And yeah, you little... zoned out. No, I was just imagining you giving your little speech. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so cute. Um, sorry, the Chiefs don't have all, uh, any big wins. 
Like, I think they won the third Super Bowl, like literally Super Bowl three. And so like that'd be like Super Bowl forty seven or something like that. Okay. So it's been a brick since. Yeah. And like, you know, San Francisco is freaking everything. They have the Warriors, they have all the money in the world. You know, what do you hear about Kansas City? It's a cool town, they got nice beer and good food. It's just like I think the folks in Kansas City should enjoy a good time. Yeah. I could get down with that. Although I don't know how our St. Louis friends would feel about that. They don't like Kansas City, do they? No, they do. They got a lot of hate for Kansas City. Oh, what do they hate? Um, Chicago, Chicago Cubs. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's their big thing they hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing St. Louis cares about is Budweiser's <laughs> and the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah. It's like, that's it. <laughs> End of list. And it's like, I have never seen a city where so much gear from a sports team than St. Louis and Cardinal shit. And it's, it's make, I, I, I've been there several times because some of my best friends live in that city. Mm-hmm. I can't get over it. I'm like, that is a family of six. <laughs> and every single one of them is wearing a red shirt with a bird on it. <laughs> it is so funny. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, I mean, patriotism is not yeah. the right word, but. Yeah. The equivalent of the local level. I, I don't know. I've never clarified because I don't want to know the truth. But all my friends from St. Louis, they do this thing where they claim if you want to dress up like in St. Louis, like you can seriously like put on khakis and a Cardinals zip up sh- jacket and you can walk into any restaurant you want in St. Louis because it's considered, you know, it's no one's going to question it as long as you drink a Budweiser with your stick. <laughs> um. I could get behind the former before I get behind the latter, I must say. What do you mean? The wearing Cardinals clothes instead of drinking Budweiser's? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have to support Miller being a Wisconsin girl. And True. also, we're beer snobs and yeah. don't really drink yeah. <laughs> anything that's not probably overpriced anyways. <laughs> I will say, if I'm at a stadium, though, I, I do go Budweiser. I don't go Bud Light, and I don't go the Millers, the Coors. I go Budweiser. I think it's the best tasting, fullest beer. You have told me that before. Yeah. I disagree with you, but I... It's all right. We don't have to agree on everything, Lisa. I know. We don't. All it's right. the joy of marriage. It is. You can have things in common, things not in common. What? <laughs> it's endless. Yeah. All right. Well, we really kind of went yeah. off on let's a get the hell tangent out of here. here. Yeah, let's, let's get go. the hell out of here, Lisa. Thanks again, uh, Sarah and Patrick, for hosting us in this incredible studio. Amazing. Um, my name is Steve. I was a history teacher. My name is Lisa, and I married him.